Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church, and we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today. not to be? That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. To die. To sleep. Those are words from our old Shakespearean friend, Prince Hamlet, as he's pondering whether to live or die would be better. He's asking the same question that we'll be asking this morning, which is what about those seasons in life for some when death would be easier? than the path forward for life. Does our faith have a way to move us forward through those times? What does our friend Job have to say to us about walking right up to the very edge of the precipice and pondering whether or not to jump? when death would be easier than life. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Today we catch our friend Job in the first of what will become many really, really low points for himself. He's early in his suffering and already he's at this point of pondering whether death would be better. If you'll stand with me, we're going to read from Job chapter 3, some of the poetry portions of today's passage. Job chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, read out loud with me, will you? Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Oh, why give light to those in misery and life to those who are bitter? They long for death and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasure. They're filled with joy when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future? Those God has surrounded with difficulties. 
I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. My mom and two of my closest friends went through a season of terminal illness, terminal cancer. My mom died from it. One of those closest friends died from it, and the other one, by the hand of God, miraculously came through it. I've never had a terminal disease, and I've never been at a place in my life where I was asking genuinely asking if death wouldn't be better. But let's be honest, that's not an uncommon place in the human condition. What I learned from my mom and from my two friends who went through their terminal cancer is that there are moments, there are times when the cure for the disease feels worse than death. There are times when Death would be easier. It would be so much simpler. It would be so less painful. There are times when death seems like an easier path. And I think that, I think that there are storms in all of our lives. I think that all of us have storms in life where we get close to that. I think it would take a different thing for each of us. I've not ever been there yet myself. Maybe you have. Uh, believe me, I've, I've spent the last couple of weeks studying research on suicide and suicidal ideations. And the research is all over the place. I mean, uh, the bottom line is this. It's, it's hard. It's hard to find research that goes over a course of a lifetime. But I think it's fair to say this. I think it's fair to say that over the course of our lifetimes, probably most of us in this room either have or will have a moment when we pose the question, wouldn't death be easier? Isn't that sad? It's sad, but it's true. I think that probably the majority of us in this room either have or will have a moment like that. And so when we begin to read through Job, one of the questions that we're asking is, is God a God who can get me through those moments? This phenomenon, you know, it's not just about mental health. It's not just about depression. I I think that, I think there are plenty of ways to come to that point without even being mentally ill. I I really think that this is not something that is marginalized. I think that these feelings, these kinds of feelings are actually pretty normal kinds of feelings. I I think Job's story is certainly not one of of mental health. Job's story is one of just really hard, horrible circumstances. Pain, deep, lingering, pain that goes on and on and on with and gives no hope for ever going away it's that kind of circumstance 
Today's passage then is for all of us. It's for all of us. The Apostle Paul even pondered these kinds of options. He was, he was writing to his most beloved church, the Philippian church, and he was writing from prison, and he was not having an easy go of it in prison. Uh, it's one of the last books that he wrote, we believe. And even the Apostle Paul, the staunch writer and giver of Christian theology, even the Apostle Paul would say this to the Philippian church. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. See, Paul's, Paul's very theology, his very understanding of God, contemplated that there would be difficulties and struggles in this life and that there would be moments, no, there would even be seasons in life when death would frankly seem easier. And our theology, our understanding of God has to be able to account for that as well. If you, if you are following along in your listening guide, there are some blanks to fill in. Here's the first statement in your listening guide. Scripture accounts for the reality that there may be seasons in life when death is easier than life. Our understanding of God must be able to manage that reality as well. Now let's get back to our friend Job. Let's, let's catch up from last week. He, he, he had his first wave of horrible things happen last week. This week in, in chapter 2, we have another, uh, another heavenly staff meeting, so to speak, between God and the angels and Satan is there. It's much like the first one. Um, God sees Satan and says, where have you come from? He says, I've been roaming the earth, just like last week. And again, just like last week, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered, have you seen my friend Job? And he has maintained his integrity, God says. He has maintained his integrity even though you urged me to harm him without cause. And so God kind of calls Satan a humongous failure so far because Satan set out to prove that he could get Job to curse God. God's just pointing out in this second meeting, so far, you're wrong about Job. Satan says to him, skin for skin, yes, you've let me take away all of his stuff, but let me harm him. Let me begin to mess with him physically, and he will curse you to his face. God says, okay, you can harm him physically, but you cannot take his life. So again, we see this this kind of picture of Satan as a dog on a leash. He can't do anything except what God specifically permits him to do. And God specifically permits him to harm him physically. And so he does. He does. He strikes Job with these horrible boils and sores from his head to his foot. He begins to suffer physically himself. We find him, this picture of him sitting in a pile of ashes, scraping the sores with pieces of broken pottery. It's just a, it's a, 
pitiful, pitiful picture. And then to add insult to injury, his wife, the only family member left, he's lost the rest of his family, the only family member left, says to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? How can you? You should just curse God and die. That's from his wife. So in all of this, scripture tells us, and so in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. And so what happens next in his story is he gets visited by three friends. And we're going to come back to those friends further in our study. In fact, we'll circle back to them next week. But for now, just know that what, what happens at the end of chapter 2 before we get into the poetry in chapter 3 is these friends come and sit with him and just sit in silence with him for a week, for seven days. Now, there's a, a really important lesson in that, and again, we'll come back to it next week. Pastor Danny will cover that, but there's something important to learn there about sitting with someone in pain, sitting with someone in grief, and that is sometimes it's better to just not say anything. In fact, a lot of times that's better. Just sit with them. And that's what these friends did. They sat with him in silence for seven days. And at the end of seven days, Job breaks the silence. And he begins to speak. And that's really where the poetry in Job begins and carries the rest of the way through the book all the way to the very end. And Job begins to share his feelings. And that's really what we... That, th- those are some of the things that we just read Why wasn't I born dead? (laughs) People long for death and it won't come. They want to die. They search for death more eagerly than for a hidden treasure. These are some of the feelings Job is, is expressing. Why is life even given to those with no future? Why would a loving God who knew I was going to be going through what I'm going through right now, why would he even have let me be born in the first place? It's really, it's all the why questions that all of us ask when horrible things happen. When when bad things happen to good people, all of us are prone to these questions of why would a loving God, and then you fill in the blank. Why would a loving God allow my loved one to die? Why would a loving God ever allow a child to pass before their parent? Why would a loving God allow a grandchild to go through horrible, painful things? Why would a loving God allow wars in Ukraine to take place? Why would a loving God even allow dictators who are going to do that kind of thing to have been born in the first place? Why would a loving God, why would a loving God? These are the questions that Job is asking. And and before Before you jump to some quick, easy Sunday school answer to these questions, let me just warn you and tell you, there are no quick, easy Sunday school answers to these questions. I think we've got to be careful about that. I think we've got to be careful about asking the question only to get to this nice, clean, tweetable, definitive answer. That's not really the way God's word works. Sometimes God's word, particularly the story of Job, just calls us to sit in the question and suffer in the question and experience the question and explore the question. This is is what the Eastern mindset that gave us the scripture intended. 
That's why we're going to spend 13 weeks sitting in this pain and exploring whether God really is a just God. Don't we face this same kind of tension in life? I mean, doesn't life throw things at us that causes this same kind of attention, that, that this tension that we live in and we don't get any easy answers and we just have to live in that tension? I think that's a, a big part of it. Our, our, the question that we end up asking ourselves when we, when we find ourselves in these situations is, Am I really believing that God is just or am I just believing in a belief? Am I just believing in a belief? I'm just believing in something that I learned in Sunday school when I was a child and I don't really know God personally. I don't really have any intimate concept of who God is, but I believe in a belief and let me just tell you, these are the times, these are the seasons, like what Job is going through. These are the seasons when we find out, do we really believe in a personal God or do I just believe in a belief? There's an important difference. Our friend, Prince Hamlet, just to, to tell you the end of the story, our friend Prince Hamlet and his famous soliloquy that I started this sermon with, he actually comes to a conclusion in that soliloquy that he doesn't want to die, but the reason he comes to that conclusion is because in his mind, there is even more uncertainty in death than there is in life. He wasn't sure what would happen after that, and he was afraid of that, and so he decides life is better. What about us, though? We don't have uncertainty as Christ followers about what's going to happen after death. Isn't that what Paul was saying when Paul said, for me to die is gain? See, for us as Christ followers, it would be better. Listen, I don't know what's going on in your life right now. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Maybe you are on top of the world right now and you've never been in a happier place in your entire life. Let me tell you, if you're a Christ follower, death is better than that. It's better. We have, to, we have to admit that. We have to say that. We have to realize, yes, death is better. That's why for the Apostle Paul, no matter whether what his circumstances were, he could be content and he could say death would be better than this. And for all of us in this room as Christ followers, if we are Christ followers, death would be better. And I think we have to say that. We have to admit that. To die really is to gain, no matter what our circumstances are. If you're following along and you're listening, God, and want to fill in the second statement on your listening guide. Here it is. For the Christ follower, no matter our current circumstances, whether we are on top of the world or stuck in the deepest depression, to die is gain. Okay, we get that. Thank you, Paul, for reminding us of that. To die is gain, but Paul would be quick to say, but guys, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. What is it that Paul understood for him to be able to say, yes, dying would be gain, but to live is Christ. What he understood is this. We now have the privilege that Job did not have. 
We have the privilege in this day of the church of actually having the almighty God, creator of the universe, his spirit living in us. To live is Christ. Not when I die, not when I go to heaven, I'll get to experience Christ. What he's saying to us is we get to experience Christ now, today, in us. And by the way, when Paul ends, when he ends his word in Philippians chapter 1, again, let's look at it again. He says, my desire is to depart to be with Christ for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary. Why? On your account. What he's saying to us is, he's saying that I experience Christ and you experience Christ through one another also. And so it's the community that we have with each other that makes it possible for us to live in Christ. He's not the only one who said it. He's not the only one who said it. John also talks about this in his letter in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 12, look what it says. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Listen, we can literally experience the spirit of God through Christian gospel-centered community with one another. And we can experience that now, today. We don't have to wait for death to experience that. So when Paul says to die is gain, but to live is Christ, we have that ability, we have that, that option of walking with Christ, in Christ, in community with other Christ followers, and we have that today. It's not, salvation does not just bring us, I guess what I'm saying here, salvation does not just bring us a promise for eternity. It's great, that's cool. Get your fire insurance in place, I get that. But there's so much more to following Christ than just making sure our eternity is secured. We can actually experience him today through one another. That's why we gather. That's why Pastor Danny says we are better together. Because in the coming together like this, we experience Christ in one another. That's why we do this. That's what this is all about. So it will take some spiritual disciplines in my life in order to truly experience this, right? I mean, I've got to be in the word of God. That's one of the ways God speaks through me. That's one of the ways the spirit in me is nurtured and developed. I've, I've got to be praying. I've got to be, have to be spending time in prayer, not just alone, but with other believers. I should be doing that. That's, that nurtures the Christ in us. I've, I've got to spend time actually loving other people, actually serving other people, helping other people, meeting their needs. These are the the disciplines that scripture gives us that allow us to begin to experience what Paul means when he says to live is Christ. Job did not have that benefit. He didn't have that benefit in quite the same way. It didn't work quite the same way for him. But we do. We are so much more of at an advantage in that regard. 
by having the access to the Spirit of God in us and in one another. This is what Paul meant when he said to live is Christ. If you have your listening guide with you, let's fill in that last statement on your listening guide. Yes, for the Christ follower to die is gain, but to live is Christ. This is not just a promise for eternity. It is a promise for today in this life, in this life. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But to live is Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, um, we want to confess to you, Lord, that the brokenness of this world has a way of bringing us to a point of wondering from time to time if it's all worth it. We, we have to confess to you, Father, that people are mean, life is hard, bad things happen to us. And we confess, Lord, that it makes it hard to get forward. It makes living life hard. And we confess to you, Father, that we do ponder from time to time whether it would be easier to have never been born in the first place. We resonate with Job in that regard, Lord. And so our prayer, Father, is this. Will you so fill us with your spirit and fill those around us with your spirit that we can completely engage with what Paul means when he says to live is Christ. Help us, Lord. In these seasons of struggle, in these difficulties, in these painful times, help us get forward by fixing our eyes on you and by finding you in one another. Help us get forward, Father. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.